brute force. If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Softweb Radio, special operations military news, and straight talk with the guys in the community. Softrep.com, on time, on target. I'm very excited because originally Scott McEwen is here. Originally, we were just going to do this on Skype, and then you said, hey, I'm still in town because I did Fox News and all this, and it's always a pleasure and an honor to have Scott in studio. The new book is Camp Valor, and as we were just talking before you came in, number 40 overall on Amazon, number one in its category. That's huge. Yeah, thanks a lot, Nina. Ian. I really appreciate it, and it's good to see you. Good to see Jack. Good to see it's everybody. It's been a while. Yeah. It has been a while. You know, I was thinking back and uh, the old studio, yep. the old place, you know, where we used to do this. And, well, uh, I, could, I could say it now where we were not supposed to be using Sirius XM <laughs> studio, and we did. Yeah. And the last time Jack wasn't here, but you were here with Ryan Zinke. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I love that lead-in, too, man. That's pretty professional. Yeah, well, that's my friend John Burns, uh, amazing guitar player. Yeah, so that's, thank you. that's really good, really good. So, I mean, cracking the top 100 on Amazon is a huge deal. It is, yeah. and totally unexpected. Really? I mean, I really, I mean I, yeah, a first in a series, you don't expect to, you know, to hit hard, you know, right off the bat. It takes a while for readers to generally... You know, pick up on 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 the characters, on the book, on the series, on whatever else. So, I mean, I'm just I'm ecstatic. I'm and I'm blown away. You I, said the the book came out a week ago, so you, you know, it sounds like it gained a little bit of traction over the last week. It did. People it, started to connect with it. It was pushing number ones in teens, number ones in you know spy for teens, that kind of stuff. But it really wasn't pushing up into the the normal you know books out of 3 million and now it's 40 out of 3 million that's a pretty crazy that's statistic that's crazy <laughs> you know i mean there's over 3 million copies of books different books on amazon you know so that's 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 a pretty crazy statistic for me but i'm happy i mean i'm really happy because the message is strong and i think people are now resonating with the message of the book and the message is strong yeah uh, you want to talk about what this book is about is it um What's the comparison? Is it like more like Ender's Game or more like The Hunger Games? <laughs> I would say it's more like you know, you know what somebody in Hollywood just told me um, recently because we've we've had some serious negotiations, you know, and and somebody actually optioned it, but uh, I can't really discuss who or what. But uh, bottom line is, uh, one of the description was was what Kingsman is to to uh, James Bond. Camp Valor is to is to the whole um, series, you know, is to an American series, if you will, similar to that, you know. So it's like this is a situation where kids become members of a group called Camp Valor, which is a training camp for teens that go into the CIA and basically do ops for the CIA in in kind of a twenty two Jump Street kind of idea, where you got to infiltrate terrorist organizations, you got to infiltrate bad guy organizations, but you need younger kids to do it. And this one, uh, the, these kids are trained up after they've been in trouble. It's for delinquents, but they get Just to have their the record. The dirty dozen. The, it, it is, but they get to have the record completely clean if they do three months at Camp Valor and do the mission for the CIA. It's interesting you say that because I had this conversation with someone many years ago now, and I think they were just spitballing a little bit, but they had this idea for, like, special ops high school. Like, why don't we take kids when they're, like, 12 and start training them in, like, martial arts and foreign language? Um, like, start that, start the pipeline, if you will, earlier on, and they'll have that much of a, uh, a head start if they decide to go into military service or governmental service. Well, you know, and it's funny because, I mean, a lot of kids that came from the country where we come from the outdoors whatever else before they ever got into special operations groups like yourself or seals or they were hunting and fishing they were already out there they were already doing those things and that's why for example i actually talked to rob about this you know rob o'neill rob o'neill um 
is the reason why the a lot of these guys from the SEAL teams especially make it through BUDS is because they're from colder parts of this country. They're from they're from the interior of the country, from Alaska, from Michigan, from Minnesota, from places like this, because they're used to getting cold. They're used to, and when they get deep freezed, which they try to do, obviously, in BUDS or whatever, these tough training camps, not just BUDS. I mean, let's face it, same thing with any of your any of your uh, your Army, Delta, any of that. It, not even Delta, working your way up, all your berets, everything else. You're pushed to the limit, and, and that's what they want to do is they want to push you to the limit as far as they can, and a lot of those kids have been pushed there before. A lot of them have been lost overnight. A lot of them have had spent the night out of doors, you know, and been in dark and the wild or whatever else and have to make it back, have to build a fire, have to do these things. And I, I think that the percentage of kids that come from that type of background is high in our special operations forces. I really believe that that's true. I mean, I'm not saying there isn't people from the city that do it too and can make it, but I don't think they're as used to it. Yeah, it's just kind of hard to see, like, somebody who grew up, say, in New York City their entire life, I think, they, and then suddenly, like, thrown out in the woods doing land navigation. Right. <laughs> That's no. got to be a shock. Or, or, or not, eating, <laughs> not eating for three days, and you better find something to eat. You know, yeah. you you got you to kill something, you got to eat it. You know, and that's kind of, we don't go quite that far in Camp Valor, but we go almost that far where you got to survive. And, 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 and it's, it's a situation where the kids are put into this camp, and they're taught, basically a, a special operations skill set, jumping out of planes, all the fun things that boys like to think of doing, yeah. you know, shooting guns, fishing, hunting, doing swimming, doing the things you got to do. And this is really what Camp Valor is all about. And it's kind of an alternative to your Call of Duty video game or something of that nature where they're actually reading a book. And it's got a patriotic message. I mean, I don't, I'm unabashed about the fact that these kids are defending the United States. Uh I mean, I don't know how much I, I believe in sort of the scared straight approach, but on the other hand, there's definitely something to be said for uh, teaching these sorts of skills to young people, not not because we want them to go into combat or anything like that, right. but just because it builds that like inner self-confidence in them, like, I know how to make a fire, I know how to land navigate, I, I know how to survive, and you have that sort of right. inner you know belief in yourself. Well, and, and the thing is, too, is, and we were just talking about this before the show, um, the left has really made being a young man almost this term of toxic ma- masculinity. I mean, like it's a bad thing for boys to want to, you know, be heroes. It's a bad thing for boys to want to be to excel in you know physical activity. Yeah. It's a bad thing to do these. You know, this is I, what I they're just, teaching. And I was just telling you, like on Facebook for Crate Club, which is you know like the main part of this business, we're no longer allowed to show knives and guns yeah. on ads. You know, that, that, that that's like. So <laughs> indicative of, of what males are into and have no. always been into. And yeah. it's like it, nothing is okay that appeals to that male audience. And, 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 you know, the funny thing is, is they're trying to make it so that it, it is termed by society as a bad thing. Yeah. And that's exactly where they're turning the screw on our young, our youth, is because they're, they're, they're bringing that message to youth and you look at YA books and you look at what's in that field, you know, Diary of a Wimpy Kid or you, you name it, basically, it's all left oriented. It really is. And this was kind of an answer. I didn't make this particularly right. I just made it right down the middle. I just made it like something about this country, something about being a young man, something about being independent, something about having a skill set, you know, and I really like Rob's blurb on this book. Because, you know, Rob O'Neill, because Rob said, you know, look, this is not a bad thing to have this skill set. It's yeah, not a yeah. bad thing to, to, to understand this as a young age. Whether you're a boy or a girl. It, I mean, I, I have a daughter. I mean, I think it's really important to teach the same sorts of oh, skills yeah. to, to your daughters as well. I was saying on the show earlier today, my daughter cannot shoot me. <laughs> she can't. Yeah, you know, it's a fact, you know, but with both a pistol and a rifle, which is pretty crazy. I mean, but she's good. You know, I sometimes I have to wonder, like, what the left thinks, like what's in their mind when they have this idea that they want to pull down essentially like the male identity, like they want to tear that down. They think after that is are men just going to be these guys who walk around wearing loafers without socks on? I mean, who do they think we're going to be? I, I, I struggle with that. I mean, you're, you're going to have entire generations of males who are lost. Exactly. And that's not good for society. It's not good for women. It's not good for anybody. Well, and, and, and I think that in the, in the mind of the left, that any type of masculinity, any type of standing up for that type of rights is bad. And I, I don't know why. They just believe that. They believe that, you know, it's not okay to be boys and girls. There has to be, well, what do they talk about now, 70 different genders? 
I mean, it, I, I, I saw track. this thing the other day. My, my son showed it to my son. He said, "Dad, look at this," and this this person was on there saying that there's 72 different genders, and I said. What? I mean, it confused me. And unless, see, unless, see this. And the thing is, nobody in America understands what the hell that is. Right. Even, it, even if you're LGBT, I mean, you don't understand what that huge acronym means. I mean, unless you, you're getting a PhD in gender studies, the entire country's confused as hell about the, the like very basic yeah. s- stuff that should be very basic and simple. And, and I'm not denying it. Look, I, I'm, not, I'm not one of these people that's denying the gays the right to do, do whatever they want. I, I don't care. You know, I mean, like, if you want to be gay, if, you, if that's your preference, that's your preference. But that's not a gender. That's not a gender. They, I mean, they, the bottom line is, I don't care what you say. Anatomically, that is not a gender. Just because you say this or that, that's a preference. I understand yeah, that. That's yeah. what you choose to do. But that doesn't mean that, that, that you know, that, that, that the chemistry of your body has changed as a result of your preference. I disagree with that thought. Yeah, yeah we've gotten yeah. to this so much. On <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it comes a point where you're just asked to believe something that isn't true. And I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't care if someone wants to live their life, if a man wants to live his life as a woman and be known as a woman, that's fine, have at it. This is America, go for it. But, I mean, you're going to tell me that Biologically, you're now a woman. That the, <laughs> the, the brain chemistry, the, the the chemical makeup of your body is. I, I don't. I don't understand. No, I don't either. I don't either. Which brings up a funny story that I heard one time about your partner. My partner? Yeah, your partner. It, it, he wasn't <laughs> involved in this, but but, but uh, Brandon. There's a place we shoot in San Diego County, and uh, I think and, Jack is weirded out by you calling Brandon his partner. We're life par- like, my, we're my life partner partners. is Benny. Okay, <laughs> 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 I'm a business partner. <laughs> <laughs> business partner. We're not here to judge. We're in the safe zone. <laughs> okay. We're in the safe zone. Okay. Okay. Our <laughs> beards stick together. <laughs> <laughs> your, uh, your business partner. Excuse me. Anyway, so uh, anyway, so uh, I get this call, or I'm up at the shooting range. And uh, he said, yeah, that Brandon, he said, did he ever tell you about that time? Because we were talking about Brandon, because Brandon could inter- introduce me to this guy. He said, did he ever talk to you about that time that the, his buddy, the SEAL, came up here to shoot? And uh, and I'm not going to mention the guy's name, although he's come out of the closet and become a, become a whatever. He's decided to be I mean, I can say woman. who. We know who you're talking well, about, Kristen Beck, right? Exactly, so. exactly. So and Kristen, who's, been on, who's been on the show a couple yeah, of yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, so, anyway, yeah. so Kristen... Kristen he said. He said. Somebody called him and said, "Yeah, a seal buddy of mine wants to go up there and do some shooting for some show, like a history show or a discovery show. I don't remember what the show was." And and uh, the guy, the shooting range guy, said, "Yeah, man, let him go. That's buddy of Brandon's. He'll go up there and shoot." Yeah, it was probably Lady Valor, the CNN documentary. I don't know what so it was. So did Kristen come out in like high heels, like dude, popping off caps? Dude, yeah, that's it, he came up and, and he was up shooting a fully automatic weapon with high heels and a dress on. And, and, and the guy showed up and he's like, what is going on here? He's like, he's like you know, because he had no idea who Kristen was or what was going on. And he's like, he's like, Brandon sent him seal buddy. He was going to come over and start shooting. He said, what do we got going on here? And, and like, he was freaked out. And I was laughing so hard. And he told me that story and I was just laughing. It was actually a pretty, pretty good documentary. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. And, I haven't and seen featured it. a clip from Soft Rap Radio, which yeah, I didn't did know. I was Yeah, uh, your voice is in it, isn't it? I, yes, and I, I was watching it. It just as you know, I'm a fan of anybody who's been on the show. So I would say as a fan of you know Kristen or what was Chris Beck's work, and I'm watching the documentary on CNN, and suddenly I'm like, that's my voice. So yeah. I, I had and, no and, idea. And I'm not being critical of Kristen. In fact, every single guy I've known from DevGrew from SEAL Team Six has said great operator. Oh did yeah, his, did his sure. job. Did his job. Yeah. Every yeah. single guy I've ever talked to said, look, dude, I don't care. He did his job. He covered my six. He, he basically, when the shot needed to be taken, he took the shot. So, they, you know, they got no issue with it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so getting uh, back into the book, I, I was, you know, you were saying earlier that you were surprised by the response to this because you write several books a year. You've yeah. written several different series. For those who don't know, you were the co-author of American Sniper with Chris Kyle, with right. Jim DeFelice. Um, and also the co-author more recently of American um, Commander, American Commander with, with Ryan, Ryan Zinke. Zinke. Yeah. And that's right. This is just one of many books that you've written, and suddenly there's this like incredible response to it. That's pretty cool because I think sometimes it's not always about the name on there, about having the Ryan Zinke name. You, you don't know what's going to connect with people, and it, apparently there was this hunger for a novel of this type for young readers because it's not out there. I think so, and you know, and sometimes you got to take a chance. I mean, sometimes you just got to go with your gut and say, you know, I'm going to do this and, you know, and I'm going to and we're going to write it right down the line. We're not going to try and pander to anybody. We're not going to try and make it less, you know, less offensive to certain people out there. It's not offensive to anybody out there. But the bottom line is the only people it takes on really is the Internet. 
and and the dark net and you know and and just saying that it's not okay to let your kids sit in front of the you know the computer for eight hours a day to play these games or the tv to play these games all day i mean it's not a good thing and that's really what the book the ulterior message if you will in the book is unplug yeah unplug let your kids get out there and do something, man. It's okay to have your boy run until he starts sweating. Yeah. And, 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 until yeah. he <laughs> until he's tired and then he's got to run some more. You know, like, you know, it's okay to get out there and swim. It's okay to get out there if you've got the opportunity and take them shooting or take them fishing or do the things that you need to learn to build a fire to survive. You know, I mean, I, I, I think that that's really what this book is about. And that's kind of the message we wanted to bring. And, you know, what happened was last week they attacked us. The left attacked us with a couple of reviews that were done. Really? And uh, said, you know, because the book has, I want to say this, they, they, they called it the book was too white, you know, too white. And the lead character in the book, we don't even say what race he is. The there, there's black kids in the book. You let there's, the reader there's, figure it. Figure there, there's that, Arab yeah. kid in the book. There's there's like girls in the book, and the the lead trainer at Camp Valor is an American Indian, teaching skills, survival skills at at the camp. You know, so it's like they focus in on the fact that that one of the characters that that's in the book that he saves his dad might be a white guy, but they never really say. <laughs> <laughs> who, who reviewed the book? You know, I, I don't even want to say because they're probably going to get mad at me. But there's a few reviews out there, and if somebody looks at the reviews of Camp Valor, they'll see what I'm talking about. The cool thing, though, was you did show me, like, the New York Post combated that and yeah. gave a great Yeah, review. the New York Post came out on Saturday and said, hey, this isn't fair. You know, this isn't fair at all. This guy went right down the middle, and he didn't even do anything on the you know conservative, really, in this book. He just talked about American values and American kids getting out there and doing things. And right, right. And defending the country, and uh, it was a great article in the Post, which really helped. I mean, that's that's huge. I mean, when that happens, and then a lot of other people picked it up after that, and now you know, kind of, we got Breitbart coming in, and you know, I'm sure there'll be a few well, others. It sounds like you, uh, you know, as you said, you t- took a chance in doing something a little bit different than your previous books, um, but I think timing wise, you hit it quite well because people, uh, social media culture and everything, like I can see it in people. When I see like people like, uh, like Hayden and John Brennan on Twitter and they're acting like 16 year old girls, I'm I like, know. like we have hit like a mass psychosis on a, on a societal level. Like social media is driving people out of their minds. Uh, people who you would think would be pretty rational, um, and I have to wonder if with America's youth, uh, there isn't the, the cool new thing to be or the cool new thing to do for kids uh, in the coming years is going to be to unplug, to just turn it off. It is. And, and that's a, that's a skill set that has to be learned. I, I really believe that just like learning how to operate, ride, ride op- a bike, ride a bike or, whatever, or operate, yeah. operate an M16 or do whatever you need to do. You got to do it over and over and you got to do a skill set. You got to basically train yourself to be able to do these things in the dark, blindfolded, in a, in a, in a, in a foxhole with a, with a battle running around you. It's got to be second nature that that's where you go, that, that you go to a different thing rather than go to your Internet or go to your TV. we gotta, we got to teach these behaviors, and I think, I think we've lost that. I mean, I really think we've lost that, you know, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing to learn. I think it's, uh, and this is simply my opinion and what I think is going to happen, but I, I think for young people in America, they're getting to the point where uh, it's going to be seen as avant-garde to go and do things that, say, you would have done in the Boy Scouts in the 1950s. You know, well, I, I was an Eagle Scout and, for a reason. I mean, you know, like that's what I like to do. I did, not because I liked getting the merit badges or doing this or that, but that was my only way to be able to go on 10-day hikes in the middle of the wilderness, mm-hmm. you know, with just backpack, you know, because the guys that we were, were ex-military guys, ex-World War II military guys, my dad included, they knew how to survive. They could, they could take a backpack, some matches, a knife, and take off and survive in the wild with a little fishing line in, in the mountains of Oregon for as long as they needed to. I mean, it wasn't a matter of they had to get back at any given time. There was a skill set there where you could survive. And that's exactly what I've tried to teach my kids, and I wish more Americans would look at it that way. It's something uh, it's something I took out of the military personally. I, I think the experience of going to ranger school where you don't have a lot of food and you're tired all the time, and 
everything you have, you're carrying on your back. Right. And I mean, not that Ranger School, it, it wasn't like, uh, what's that movie, Alive? We, we, it wasn't like we were cannibalizing each other on no. a uh, mountaintop in, in the Patagonia mountain range. But, but, if, you had to, <laughs> but if you had to. But if you had to. Um, but I mean, it's just the, the, the I think kind of like the life lesson I took out of that is like, I'm going to be okay. Like, like even if I'm, uh, you know, out in the woods and all I have is like a poncho liner, I mean, I, I'm going to be okay. And it just teaches you the, you know, in life that you can do, you, you can make it with less. Like a lot of the things that you feel are important or things that happen to you or don't happen to you, like it's not quite as important as we usually make it out to be. It's just a matter of priorities, I guess. And, and, and the other thing too, that, that, Ranger school or SEAL team school or SEER school or any of these other schools that the military have to put, put young men through and young women through, I mean, is, and you weren't that old. I mean, you were what, 18, 19 when you went through Ranger school? Or I was 19. 19. I mean, you're, you know, a teenager. I mean, but you're, you know, but the bottom line is, you know, is you teach a mindset that you will overcome. I mean, you, when you're forced to do it, and you're not going to quit, you will overcome. And I think that that's yeah, something yeah. that we have lost too, is that mindset that I'm going to get through this, you know, and, and I, and I, I don't like to say it, but I think a lot of this depression we see in our youth nowadays, I think a lot of this drug use that's going on. I think a lot of these bad things that are happening in our society and let's face it, we're losing a lot of people to suicide, not yeah, just out yeah. of the military, but out of in our youth. A lot it's of young the highest, men. It's, a, it's the highest suicide yeah. rates ever seen. And, and I think a lot of it is because, they don't have that mindset that they're going to overcome something think, to fall back on. Yeah, you know that uh, that inner self confidence we were talking right, about. Right, earlier. and I think that's once again, I think that's not being taught. It's just not being taught that you know it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You know, and if you have the ability to think through it, then you have the ability to work through it. You have the ability to get it done. And even if you don't have the skill set, if you've got the mindset, that's you're ninety percent there. You know, and you know, and I think that. You know, valor is about that too. It really is about you're going to make it if you just put your head down and keep 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 swinging. You 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 can fight your way out of it. Yeah, if yeah. you believe you can survive. Right. I feel like every guy we've ever had on this show, you know, who's a special ops or uh, everybody has a very unique story, but all of them went through something that was just a giant struggle. I mean, like when Chris Peranto was on here, he talked about thoughts of suicide actually after the whole Benghazi yeah. thing. Right. And I'm glad that these guys open up about that stuff because I think some people see movies about military stuff and or also read these memoirs and think these guys are untouchable. They're, you know, the, yeah. that they are just these heroes that nothing phases them. And it's like, no, we're all just regular people and we all go through our own bouts of something and, and get through it. And I like the fact that these guys are writing about that in their own books. Oh, yeah. It lets a regular person know who maybe didn't serve or didn't serve to the level of someone like you know, all right, if this guy got through it, I can too. Well, and that was really the message of American Sniper. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, one of the most important things that I made happen in that book, I, I consider my contribution to Chris's story, the biggest contribution I did to that story was that I made sure that he was willing to tell his how he got through his own PTS issues and how he made it through because somebody who's got the most confirmed kills in the history of the United States to come out and say that and get through it. And unfortunately we lost him for other reasons, you right, know what I mean? As right. we know, but, uh, but, uh, he made it through and he saw the tunnel and he got through the tunnel. And I thought it was important for other people in the military that maybe didn't have quite that much of a shoot 'em up career that, you know, operated that truck or saw some really bad stuff I, you know, uh, or whatever else. I, I like that the movie uh, confronted that. I mean, the, the, yeah. And the, it's a movie, you know, we get it. It's a it's a Hollywood film, but I thought that within it there is a lot of these like little vignettes that like rang no. very true to me. No, Clint 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 yeah. did a great job and he made sure that that happened and I I discussed it with him and you know, unfortunately, Chris, you know, was gone by that point in time and him and him and I were both consultants on the movie, but uh, you know, I was last man standing for the wrong reason. But uh, you know, yeah. I made sure that that was part of the script because I mean, I talked about it with Jason before frankly, I hired Jason. I mean, I'm the one that made the decision that Jason Hall was going to write the script because he sat down with me. We sat down for about 10 hours one day at a, at a restaurant and just kept drinking iced tea. And, uh, and, uh, and basically, you know, he, he said, this is what I want to do. And I said, you know, and he, and he gave me his vision. And I said, look, as long as we put the family story and we put the fact that he made it through to the other end, we can bring all the war stuff in you want. We can do all the shoot 'em up you want, and that's good, and it's going to be sell the movie. But we must tell that story because... 
you know, the, the part of the family suffering at home while this guy is off fighting wars, the family's fighting their own war at home, and the fact that he had to come back and deal with his own version of PTS and, you know, and everything else and get through it well, didn't was it, important. Didn't it turn out that all of this stuff about his family, it was actually in the end, I, I mean, in a lot of ways, that was what sold the film, that it was, it was something relatable for a lot of people. And You know, it, it, it was weird because obviously women were able to connect gra- with, it. Connect with yeah. that much more and you know and that wasn't the reason why I wanted to put it in the book though right. that wasn't that wasn't why <laughs> you know why I had Taya's Taya's story in the background you know that was always there because she told me you know when I sat down with Taya and started interviewing her for the book she told me about the scene where she was on the phone with Chris and he was in a firefight and all of a sudden the phone goes dead and she could, he wasn't supposed to be on a sat phone with her anyway calling right, home right, right. you know but we we both know what actually happens you know so uh, he was just on the phone with her some firefight breaks out and they, he's just in the middle of a full on firestorm for like 45 minutes and RPGs going off behind him and you know whatever you know fully automatic fire for 45 minutes and it just goes dead and she couldn't call anybody. She couldn't call the military to see what happened. She couldn't call him. He didn't, and three days later, he didn't realize the phone was even on. He calls her and says, hey, what's up, babe? You know, it's like, you know, you, you, I just went to, through three days of completely believing you were blown up because the next thing I heard was nothing. If I could ask you something that might be kind of controversial, and, and you could answer this Uh-oh. however you want. Well, the thing is, Chris Kyle's legacy, if we're being honest here, has become like a big money-making thing for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. And there's been... Like, there's been a lot of clash between his brand that he left, his wife, you know, the book itself, which you co-authored along with Jim. I, I just want to hear your take on that, because I think there's a lot of people who just want to make money off of this guy's legacy. And people forget you were living with him yeah. like at the end of his life. Yeah, yeah. He was more than just a guy that you wrote a book with. No, he was yeah. a great yeah. friend to you. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, I, you know, I, the whole commercial part of this thing, was truly a second thought. It was truly a second thought. I just, I mean, I Chris was a drinking buddy of mine. I mean, like, he literally, you know, I got to know him, and then he would come home, and a lot of those scenes, or that scene that, that Clint put in the end of the movie where he's calling from the bar, Yeah, that, that could have been from my house, you know, but like any, any given time, because it's like sometimes it's hard for these guys to come home and decompress, particularly, you know, when you, they know what they're going to get back into, and I think that was very true with Chris. And so... I'm not saying that negatively towards Taya, and I'm not saying that negatively towards anything. I'm just telling you that's the way it was. And, you know, and, and that, that was depicted very well, I think, by Clint in that single scene. But that scene was lived out a lot of times. I mean, that scene was just more than once. And, and, and I think it was probably indicative not only of Chris, but maybe of some other guys, too, you know, that were coming back and having to deal with it because we've been at war for 15 years. And that I wanted people to realize Chris's problem with this whole thing was not that he was at war. He liked it. I mean, I, I'll tell you right now, he liked it. He liked, he liked doing what he did. He loved being a SEAL. He loved going to war. He loved the whole thing. It was like to him the, the ultimate adrenaline rush. I mean, it's weird for me to say it, but it was, some people, it was the dream job. Dude, it yeah. was it was the dream job for him. I mean, like he he that's he it's what he loved to do. And you know, and it was hard for him to put that gun up and it was hard for him to, to leave the seals, but he knew he had to because it was time. And you know, but we got a lot of guys that have lived that now for 15 years. Yeah. I know guys that have been at war for 16 years that are still deploying. And I'm sure you do, too. I mean, mean, sometimes you see, uh, unfortunately, you know, our first um, time we we, uh, come across people or we we meet people, so to speak, is when DOD announces their death. And you see this guy has been deployed 15, 16 times. It's like, holy shit. I know. I know. It's it's insane. It's insane to think about it. But, you know, that's that's the real one that you want to write, the one that's going to be the real war and peace, you know, or whatever else is the one where you write of, of the guy that has become war. He has become war. Yeah. And once you, once you write that one and you write that one right, that's a whole different level of book, in my opinion. You know? And I know some people that probably it could be written about, but they wouldn't allow it, allow it to be written. Well, well, yeah, a lot of guys don't open up like that. The yeah. more, the, I mean, well, the more uh, cynical uh, part of it is the story that, you know, they tried to tell with Rambo. <laughs> right. Does this guy have any place in society anymore? Well, and, and that's the tougher part is for themselves, which, which brings me to the next thing. And I, I'm not doing this to advertise. I want you to read this book. <laughs> yeah. I, I really want yeah, you to so read this, this is, book. This is up and That's coming. October. So let's put that up yeah. on the screen if you guys are watching on YouTube. I know there's okay. probably more watching on there um, or listening on 
uh, Apple Podcast, but that's City of Death. Yeah, and this is about a team guy who gets out after two deployments in Afghanistan and two, 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 uh, you know, basically six years in the SEALs. And, uh, and uh, he just wasn't fulfilled. Had a lot of PTS issues, had a couple girls that were wearing backpacks, you know, that uh, were running it as men and things of this nature. So, you know, I won't go into the details, but just say he got spun. And he admits it, he got spun. And, uh, and he had some serious PTS issues. And then he goes and joins a group called the Free Burma Rangers, and they retake Mosul from ISIS. And they're a humanitarian group that go into ISIS with the Iraqi military to retake ISIS after they controlled that city for five years. And they had that city for five years. And this place, it's, it's like it's something out of Mad Max meets, you know, you know, some kind of insane like stuff. Because these guys had set that place up, you know, like the Japanese did in... in, in yeah, in, in, in IEDs here. everywhere. IEDs everywhere, vehicles that have, you know inch thick metal plates on them that they're driving that have a thousand pounds of you know of, 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 of explosives in them just the most insane stuff you could imagine they're going into this place and, and dealing with this and the fighting that they did to try and get the women and children out and to try and do the humanitarian side because ISIS made a decision when they were the, the, when the basically the Iraqi military had surrounded the city and said we're going to go in they made a decision that any of the women and children that left they left they, they, they'd lose their bomb cover They'd lose their bomb, you know, ability to, you know, to, to keep from being bombed or, oh, or right, shelled, right. or shelled. So any women and children that were leaving, they executed. And so there was wholesale executions of three to five hundred women and children at a time. Mm. Anybody who tried to leave the city, to, to, you know, the ISIS would just flat execute them right there. So these guys went in with the Free Burma Rangers, and they were doing snatch and grabs and getting the women and children out of the way. And this is crazier than American Sniper. The stuff these guys when did. Is that, when is this out? It's out in October. But, I mean, I'm talking about taking tanks. I'm talking about truly, truly Rambo kind of stuff with all these spec ops guys that had joined this Free Burma Rangers. And they were using, they'd kill somebody, take their RPG, get this guy, take his AK-47. Whatever it was, they'd take it from the other side and, and just move, just move, move through. And just a really compelling story. I mean, just a really compelling story. And by the end, the, the part of this book that I really love and I really love about Ephraim, is his message at the end is he learned from the guy who's a Christian that runs this Free Burma Rangers guy, the group, you know. The yeah, he's a former SF officer. He is. Know. He is. And, and create really amazing guy. His name's Dave Eubanks. And yeah. I, I tell you, I, I met him, and you would almost think that you met Jesus. I mean, I'm serious. I mean, when you meet just a his, genuine guy. Such a genuine guy and, like, the real deal. And you, you'll see in this book, and if you look at the footage that we, we've noted in this book, of actual international photographers getting some of this footage, these guys took it to the nth degree, and I don't know how they weren't all killed. I mean, I really don't know how. Ephraim was shot. He, you oh, know, really? Yeah, and, and so there was a lot of guys in this. There were some guys killed in this group. But, I mean, at the, end of the, at the end of the day, the book, the message at the end, the last four words of the book are give up the hate because he is over it, and he believes that most of the guys that have PTS issues right now is not because of what they saw, not because of losing their buddies, but because they can't give up the hate. They can't give up the hate for the enemy and the hate for what the enemy did to the people that they loved. And that's really the message in this book is how he got better and how he recommends everybody else gets better, not from a like you know passing judgment type mm. of thing, but he totally recommends that you give up the hate because if you do, you will get better. You're putting out just an incredible amount of books right now. The, oh, you it's know, awesome. it's like I've, I've had the opportunity. I have people that approach me from the teams now yeah. and from special operations world now, you know, and I've got some guys that I'm really looking at that I get these messages all the time from some of the probably the toughest pipe hitters in the world. Yeah. I mean, guys that, that, you know, do it for the CIA, guys that, that I can't publish their books because I know the CIA would go nuts. And all these are DOD. I had to put that one through the DOD, and we know how fun that is. Even though this guy was, he was not with DOD when he went over to Iraq. Though. He was not, but we we had to tell the story. One of the chapters in there is how he got. Oh, in the Navy. How he was in the SEALs and how he, uh, how he had the issues that he did have and the hatred that he got as a result of it, you know, for the Taliban and for that whole Islamic, if you will, uh, you know, world that, that that hates and that, that, that the terrorist type of the you know that end of the spectrum is how he had he couldn't give it up and he had to do something to give up that hate. I, I, I got to tell you on you know another subject, but my favorite part of the the last time that you were on with Ryan Zinke promoting American <laughs> Commander, 
Um, so, and by the way, if people want to dig back uh, that episode, go to softrep.com slash radio because, like, the older episodes, I don't have on Apple Podcasts right now. We did that for a reason. But you could go back to softrep.com slash radio. But uh, this was – I literally think that interview may have been a couple of weeks before he was in the Trump administration. Yeah. And I asked him, like, would you take a job in the Trump administration? You know, like, he said great things about you. And this was the, you know, and he says great things about the SEALs and, you know, you being a congressman. And I was like, would you, you know, would you work for the Trump administration? He gave me such a political answer. Where he's <laughs> like, oh, it's great being the lone congressman from Montana. But I feel like I knew in the back of my mind this guy would take a job in the Trump administration. And then, like, I think, honestly, like two weeks later, he becomes secretary of the interior. Ryan's a great man. I mean, I, I really good friend. And I, I really, I really respect him. And, you know, the funny thing is with him is, you know, you got that enlisted versus officer, you know, d- paradigm, if sure. you will, in the military. And I have never, ever talked to a SEAL, no matter what level, that didn't totally dig Brian, didn't totally think that he was he was the real deal as an officer, as a commander, whatever. It didn't matter to them. They're like, look, dude, he would not ask us to do a job that he hadn't already done or wouldn't do right then himself. You know, and that was that was the way he ran when he ran blue team at SEAL Team 6 and gold team. You know, like, that's the way he ran it. That's the leadership that they wanted is, you know, the officers had to be right there with the men and had to be willing to and able to do every single job that you would call of that, you know, of that, of that uh, you know, that machine gunner or, or the door kicker or the explosives guy or whatever else. You know, he must have been there with them or they don't have that cohesion. And that's really what Ryan is about. Well, it does seem that Ryan Zinke has kept his head down amidst a lot of the controversy. Well, no, dude, he's getting, he's getting attacked again right now. Is he really? Yeah, he's getting another attack right now. And they, they're always coming out after him at some point in time. They're, you know, they come up with something. And, um, you know, I know, again, they're just coming up with another attack now. And it's like. The only thing I really remember recently was um, it was something where he was like about the budget for national parks. And he's like, well, what do we do? I mean, do we cut the veterans discount? And like people went crazy about that. Yeah. But I I mean, what are they coming after him over? I don't know. Some supposedly $10,000 land deal or something just I was like that the government made that somebody made for a park in, 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 you know, whatever. But the whole thing, I mean, I haven't read the whole thing, so I don't, I can't give an opinion, but I'll tell you exactly what, right. I believe right now. And that is, it's just another one of the left's blown up crap stories that they bring in just to try and deface, you know, anybody that's affiliated or associated with Trump. I mean, that's really what it is, is anybody, if you put up your hand, you, me, anybody, they, they attack me all the time just for backing Trump. (laughs) You know, I was an unabashed, you know, I backed him from day one, you know, like, and I, I was always supported him, you know, being that that book came out weeks before or like what a month or two before he joined the administration. Did you have any idea that, that he was going to be secretary of the interior? Let's just say I know people that that <laughs> got that book to the right people that made the, the decision. <laughs> nice. Let's just say that that book had, I believe, some 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 influence on those who were making some some judgment calls. Cool. You know, so I I know it was I know it was read by those close to that camp. Uh, you know, and I I don't want to go into any more detail. Do, do you still keep in touch? Oh yeah, that's great. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's a buddy of mine. I mean, he's a friend of mine. You know, like. You know, I'll talk to him anytime. I'll get a phone call from him in the middle of the night. You know, it's like one of those things. It's like whatever with Clint Eastwood. You know, it's like, do I still keep in touch? Not as much as I'd like, you know, yeah. because they're busy men. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like, you know, it's like you, you meet people in your life that you're impressed with. And it's nice to have, you know, that person, you know, on your cell phone, you know, because they'll take your call anytime and I'll take their call anytime because usually it, it, we'd like to do it over a beer, but getting over a beer now is hard to do, you know, like with your friends, because it seems like, you know, the more, let's just say the busier they are, the the, the less time you get to spend with them. And most people I know that are competent are very busy. Yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's just the way it is. I mean, you know, I'd love to spend more time around Ryan. I mean, we've been trying to plan something out for a while, but you know, I just haven't had the chance. Yeah. Well, I wish him the best. I mean, I'm not the type of person to just hate on anybody in the Trump administration just because they're in the administration. You know, yeah. I, I hope and for, uh, and they do those, a good job. Yeah. I mean, for those who don't know, we've been very objective on the show about the whole thing. Well, if anybody on, if they love Trump, hate Trump, like we're not a, uh, you know, politically ideological show. We both have our biases. Sure. We're, sure. we're never going to like not have someone on because of one thing or another. Well, I think Ryan Zinke said it best. The, I'd you love know, to have him back on. The attitude, the attitude, 
of the military is certainly not monolithic. There's Democrats, there's Republicans, there's oh, yeah. independents in the military. And he said, but we all in the uh, in military fight for the same reason, and that's your ability to choose which way you want to go. Yeah, that's that's we defend the Constitution. The Constitution says you make whatever choice you want to make. That's where we where we all align in the same direction. And I've, I think that's a great way to look at it. I have some pretty funny stories about uh, the senior medic on my ODA. He was a huge Democrat, like loved Obama. <laughs> and uh, and he was a great medic, really great guy. Uh, but you can imagine on the team, like he, it was just the jokes were hilarious. And I had an Iraqi, uh, an Iraqi SWAT member come up to me one time. And he was mad. He liked George Bush because Bush came in and disposed of Saddam. Um, and he, he, he hated Obama because Obama was pulling all the Americans out of Iraq and he wanted us to stay because we were friends now. Sure. And he, he came up to me one day and he was like, George Bush, good. Fuck you, Obama. <laughs> and I was like, go tell our medic that. Go tell him that right now. <laughs> and he went and said it to him. And my, our medic, I just hear our medic screaming at him, get the hell out of here. You, what are you doing? Yeah, that's funny, man. No, I mean, it's funny, you know. I mean, and, and unfortunately, you know, I think that the only way that I would completely jump off that bridge, if you will, in my disagreements with Obama, irrespective of what you want to say these guys did or that guy did, it was in the rules of engagement. I always thought that... Our men, and I say this to everybody, and Ryan Zinke agrees with me, and fortunately we got Mattis there and Ryan there advising the president that our rules of engagement have to mean that we survive. Our men survive. Yeah. It's America first, and I don't care what anybody says. If you don't fight a war that way, you're making a mistake. You know, and that's really what my biggest objection was to the way that Obama handled the military was in the rules of engagement I felt were completely stupid. Well, I mean, honestly, I would put that, especially what we're seeing in Afghanistan, it cuts across from Bush to Obama to Trump, is that are we fighting this thing to win it? Yeah. Like, what the hell are we doing over Especially there? Especially now. It's a maintenance war. And it's, it's, it's immoral and unethical to fight a war like that. No, I know. It, I, and and, and we, will, we will ultimately, and I don't say this because I don't love this country. I mean, Camp Veller tells you I love this country. We will ultimately leave just like the English left, just like the Russians left, just like we're going to Tail gonna between your legs. Whatever, for whatever reason or whatever way you want to say it, you will not defeat Afghanistan. And it's the country. It's the country. It's the, it's <laughs> yeah. the tribalism, that mentality, all that stuff that Alexander the Great talked about a thousand years ago is the same thing that exists today. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing that exists today. You know, like, you know it's, it hasn't changed. It won't change. And you can try and change the landscape there, but you're not going to change the country. Yeah, you're not going to change the culture. No. I mean, you're not going to do it. And unfortunately, I have to agree with you there. I'm not saying that, you know, that our men aren't doing their job or aren't doing their job the best they can, but I think you're right. I, I know you want to get into some other stuff, Jack, so before we do, I just want to, you know, as I do every show, and I was talking about Crate Club, let you all know that there's Product only... placement. Of course, you got to mention Crate yeah, Club. There's it. only one club out there with gear handpicked by special operations, military veterans from several branches. That, of course, is Crate Club, which, as I said, we can no longer show guns and knives on Facebook, <laughs> most ridiculous thing ever. Uh, but I'm looking forward to the future collaboration we're doing with NFW Watches for an exclusive Crate Club watch for premium tier members. That's coming soon. We have different tiers of membership, depending on how prepared you want to be, and gift options are available as well. You can check that all out at CrateClub.us. Once again, that's CrateClub.us. For you dog owners, check this out. You're going to love this. We've just partnered with Kuna. They have a team of trained canine handlers picking out a box for your dog each month of healthy treats, training aids. It's custom built for your dog's size and age as well. And the products are U.S. sourced, all natural, and they not only promote a healthy diet, but also promote being active with your dog. So whether we're talking a pit bull or a chihuahua, you're going to love this. Uh, this is just what you're looking for. You can see all of that at kuna.dog. It's kuna.dog. It's efficient for you. Your dog will appreciate it as well, of course. And that's spelled C-U-N-A dot D-O-G. Also, as a reminder for those listening or watching on YouTube now that we're doing these, um, for a limited time, you can receive a 50% discounted membership to the Spec Ops channel. That's our channel that offers the most exclusive shows, documentaries, and interviews covering the most exciting military content today. The Spec Ops channel premiere show Training Cell follows former Special Operations Forces, 
as they participate in the most advanced training in the country. Everything from shooting schools, defensive driving, jungle and winter warfare, climbing, and much more. Again, you can watch this content by subscribing to the Spec Ops channel. That's at specopschannel.com. And take advantage of a limited-time offer, 50% off your membership for only $4.99 a month. And uh, check out the app on the uh, on iOS or Android. It's available, developed by Chris, who always does a great job. Um, getting into what you wanted to talk about, which I guess we're now oh calling woke, woke Tard of the Week. What were we calling it before? Um, so Woke. So I think Woke, woke Tard of the, the Week so is funnier. Woke Tard of the Week. Throat is, punch of the Week, yeah. Woke Tard of the Week. I like it. This, one, this, <laughs> is, a, this is a particularly egregious example. <laughs> Um, do you want to pull that up real quick, that link? Yeah, oh, well, the one you sent me on Facebook, I couldn't open. I don't know why. I tried to open, and it just blocked it out, even though... So for those uh, watching, we're going to uh, banter here a little bit as we try to open this thing up. Yeah, let me pull the, the link up, I, just so I, don't, uh, so I get it right. Yeah, no, but this is an interesting idea because every we haven't done a throat punch of the week every week, but when we come up with one, it's great. And so now this idea of the woke tart of the week because there's so many of them now that it's in this community of woke vets or just you know these woke people in general because that's become the new term as you know. I, I wasn't even familiar with that term until my son told me what it was. I didn't even know what it meant. Yeah, <laughs> you I, know. I, I mean, I guess it's just another word for liberal or progressive. Well, you know, you know where that yeah. came from. Woke is something that uh, came from the black community, actually. And then it was something the alt-right hijacked. And then it was something now that the far left is hijacked. <laughs> so everyone's appropriating these words. Oh, wow, look at that. It got taken down, right? Yeah. That's, that's what I got when I tried to open it. But you know the story behind this, so. Yeah, but I wanted to pull up the actual name. Um... Well, it's probably better that you don't. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so does what, it say the name on the link at least? Yeah, I mean the the there was a story published in Task and Purpose. We're back to them, of course. It all goes in circles um, by someone p- writing under the pen name uh, Peter Delacroix, who claims to be or, or is a, uh, a a transgendered person who she was in the military in the Navy claimed she was in the Navy as a woman and then transitioned and became a man, which is how she lives her life or he lives his life today. Um, but it turned out that this individual was never in the Navy. Uh, somebody went and did like a deep dive on them, see what, 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 what the deal was here because the person seemed a little suspicious and, uh, the whole story is just bullshit. Uh, and they, you know, this person has been challenged to throw up, like, show us some documentation, anything that shows you were in the military D214. Not, not like an awards. Like they, I think they claim that they have a, a bronze star and a purple heart. Uh-huh. They're like, well, show, us a, show, show us a citation. <laughs> and, I, I mean, I'm not getting on the, like, stolen valor thing. I don't really care about that so much as much as it's that you're making these rape allegations that are obvious. They, I mean, if you weren't in the military, then you couldn't have been raped in the military. It, it just all falls apart. And it, when they were digging into this person's background, apparently they had made false rape allegations in the past, which they had been charged with, I guess. So it's just another one of these stories where it's like, holy shit, you have this huge, like, virtue signaling story in task and purpose about a very real issue military sexual assault. That's a real thing, it happens every day. And um, maybe that's the worst part of this whole thing, because when people come and they make these false allegations, it like preemptively discredits everybody else is true. Somebody who comes forward and comes to their superior and is like, look, I was sexually assaulted. And now because of people like this, the idea has been planted in their minds. Well, maybe it's not true. And that's really a shame. Yeah. I mean, you know, unfortunately, we have seen because of the advent of the Internet and a lot of these things the most outlandish and I think non-sympathetic stories become hits. I mean, become like these huge social issues for no other reason than the fact that the you know the internet you can become instantly famous and no one does any checking. No one yeah, looks. Right. No one looks at your background. No one looks at people that knew you. No one looks at people. Well, who were you with? I mean, like what what group were you with? I mean, any military person could look at this story and, and within five minutes, you know, somebody that hasn't been in the military, they know. 
I mean, they know this is just, you know, a bunch of woke crap. Yeah, there's been a huge rise in in fake hate crimes. And then now with like the those are really bad. Those people that claim they were like attacked because they were Muslim on the subway. Yeah, I remember that. The woman who said her job was taken off. There was someone in the Air Force, too. You remember that? Yeah. Air Force Academy, I believe. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, uh, of the stuff, the racist. Yeah, like, that's no, that kind of thing's repeated. really harmful. No, it is, and, it, and it's so irresponsible. And I think that the counter to—I mean, I was—I've always been of the belief, and in, in another life, I'm a, I'm a recovering lawyer. I mean, it, you know, <laughs> like I always thought that people who are falsely charged, and people that make false charges against somebody for rape or whatever else. That if that charge is reversed and it's definitively shown that that person did not do that crime, then the person that made the charge should do the same time that they caused the other person to do. And let me tell you something. Those false claims that go down quick. Yeah. I think there definitely has <laughs> to be know, some sort of uh, repercussion for making yeah. like maliciously false claims. Exactly. Um, but the interesting thing, too, is to see uh, people who are woke like defend this sort of behavior because oh, yeah. it, like, it gives them the feels so they mistake those feelings with facts. Um, and then the explanation is always, well, I was trying to start a discussion. Yeah, but you get the <laughs> yeah, buts. And, and it reminds me of, uh, you remember that Dave Chappelle skit with Clayton Bigsby? Yeah, yeah. And the they're black, like, white we, we can't tell people he's too important to the movement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so true. I mean, you know, these people are given instant credibility because it fits the, the rhetoric, the, the narrative that you want. Yeah. And, and, and. That's unfortunate, too, because the narrative, if you believe in your narrative, then you should want credible people to be carrying your vanguard, not a bunch of fakes. Right. (laughs) Right. You want the most credible people, the most honest uh, people with the most integrity to tell that story. It's the truth. And unfortunately, I feel America has really kind of fallen into the morass of quick hits, quick, quick painkillers, quick stories, quick this, quick that, instead of wanting to work and look at what really is going on. And, you know, the journalism that used to be in this country has is, is woefully, woefully gone to the to the side because you see these stories printed a lot of times by journalists or alleged journalists, which are really just commentators, uh, for one political point of view or the other. And I don't I don't like it from the left and I don't like it from the right. How I about like, the the Time magazine that was just printed with the girl who was yeah. allegedly separated from her family, it was, you know, with it, Trump. Cover, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was all and, fake. It was all Obama. <laughs> no, and no one fact checks. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it is really, that is an issue that's really going on, but I, you, you have to have a legitimate picture <laughs> if you're Time Magazine. I think it was, I, I believe it was a Honduran family, and yeah, the, the, the parents came out real f- quickly and, and were like, no, we were never separated from our children. No, I know. I mean, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't fit the, it doesn't fit the plan. I mean, if it doesn't fit the plan, then they don't, they don't look no, they don't they look no further, and that's the, that's the unfortunate part. And that's I think that's a real reason why America is 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 at each other's throats right now, is because everything is plan oriented instead of fact oriented. Well, you just did a podcast interview about our favorite guy Wayne Simmons, and oh you know, yeah. That's a That's guy who one. they just put on TV and said he was in the CIA. Well, you know, I, 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 I was thinking I was thinking about it a little bit on the way here, and I mean the parallels to Aldous Huxley's great novel *Brave New World* are oh. they can't be discounted out of hand. Oh. Uh, 1984 is really today. Newspeak is today. If you if you read 1984, you know by Orwell. I mean, you know, it it, it, it has become. The Orwellian nightmare is exactly what it is, and, the, and there's one that I see up there that's a, that's a mem that I know is real that I've seen on there, and it's, uh, you know, they're not even going to to fight back because they're all just staring at their screens, and that's what he said in 1950. Yeah. You know, like he said, they're all staring at their their TV screens at that point in time, and they won't even be re- ready to fight back. And then, you know, the mem has the kids looking at their, yeah. you know, at their PDAs, you know, P, you know, and it, it basically. That that's what they do. They were, yeah. I mean, Orwell and uh, Huxley were both uh, yeah. visionaries, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. How about we've mentioned this before? Our writer Kurt Schroeder. There's a pic. There was a picture of him at Shot Show going like this: the circle <laughs> game, and someone said it was a white power symbol on Twitter. So, but now, did really? you see the recent? <laughs> did you see the recent news article that there's a police of? There's a picture of a police um, unit. And there's two guys there. It's just yeah, a picture. I did see that. Two of them are throwing up the same thing, and they've been suspended without pay 
for throwing up a white power symbol, which clearly was not the intention. Because <laughs> this is apparently a white power symbol. Well, I've never heard of that one either. People, so yeah. I better be careful. People have <laughs> lost their minds. I mean, like literally, like we're coming, up, we're coming unglued. I know it really, and you know, and it's it's unfortunate. We need to get back. We need to get back this common sense that that we've had in this country, and that really this country is about is the ability to say, "I don't believe that. I don't believe that story." And the ability to have the guts to say, you know what, you show me. You show me what you're talking about. I want to see the yeah, evidence that, yeah. that supports what your your claim is. Because if you do that, then I think a lot of this stuff just goes away. But yeah, you have to fall in love with the word no. Yeah. And say, no, I don't believe that. And, and yeah, if, if the facts show that I'm wrong, okay, I'll change my mind about it. But yeah, you have to show me show me the goods. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, and, and unfortunately, I, I, once again, going back to the journalism of today, it's pathetic. It's really, really pathetic what we see coming out of, you know, our journalists that, that I believe have just become commentators. I mean, they're just heads, talking heads, reading, reading the line that comes off the screen instead of really thinking about what they're doing. And, you know, the day that there was a research journalist or a research writer or a research, you know, person looking into things, unfortunately, I believe the only way you see it now is in books. I mean, I think there's some writers out there that I tr- totally trust their research. Well, it's interesting you say that because I, the sense I get in the media sphere, what we were talking about earlier about how it may become avant-garde to unplug, I, I get the sense that right now people are starting to deviate away from uh, the clickbait journalism and they're moving more towards long-form content, right. um, the sort of like intellectually engaging um, material. And I think that's why some of these podcasts have taken off for a lot of people, that they want to hear conversations, even, even this conversation here where it's like we sit down for an hour and we talk and we're not trying to jam talking points down right. people's throats. Yeah. I mean, you know, we can disagree on something or, you know, Politically, we can have our own issues or whatever else. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we're here to just put it the way we believe it. And I'm just like you. If you can show me that something different than what I just said, then, hey, bring it. You know, bring it. I'm, I'm willing to listen to it. I'm willing to see, you know, whatever it is you think is is diametrically different to my point of view. But don't don't just throw me some article off the Internet and, and you know, or some <laughs> crap from some guy saying he was an ex-military and did the, and, and, No, don't do that. Yeah. Hey, so uh, wrapping things up here, I got to at least let the audience know you're going to be away for about a month and a half. I'm going to be doing yes. some uh, outside stuff and, you know, making things interesting. Ian's going to go rogue while we're gone. <laughs> no, we'll still be doing the show. I'm, I'm the consistent always here. I know you are, yeah. I, I do my best to be. But, uh, yeah, you'll be away for a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm going to be enjoy. overseas. This is your last vacation. show for a while. Um, yeah, hey, you can call me up. I can come on anytime you want. Yeah. You know, hit me up. I'll dial in on Skype. Hell yeah. We have we have some great stuff on the horizon, though. We'll have Pat McNamara back on. I have that planned out. I'm, cool. I'm working on getting Hoist Gracie on with Jim West. That would be oh, pretty be badass. Awesome. Um, Ernie Emerson, I think, will get back on. C.J. Woodruff, who you might know if you're in, like, the fitness community, but he's also a former Marine combat vet. Um, we're going to have... Uh, well, I'm trying to think of, of the name of the guy we just had on inside the team room. My mind is... Uh, oh, uh, Sam Faddis. Sam Faddis is going to be on. He's a lot of fun to talk to. Sean Spoons wanted to come back on to talk about, or come on to talk about an article he wrote on the Malaysian flight. So we're going to revisit that. Um, just a lot of really interesting stuff. So we're gonna, I'm going to make sure we have some solid shows and, of course, have some writers on. Um, You're leaving for Europe for a month and a half? Yeah, I'm going to be in uh, Italy. You realize it's the fighting season in Europe right now. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. It's, Brandon's it's, it's been become in, like Afghanistan now. He's well, like, I, you know, the summers when they come I'll, out and I'll start tell you, stealing trucks and in, stuff, in, dude. In, <laughs> in, in Italy, in July and August, you can go to the equivalent of like the Times Square of a city in Italy and lay down in the street and nothing will happen to you because Italians just go on vacation. Yeah, that's true. all gone. That's true. The, the cities are empty. They're good about that. That's true. They're ghost cities. Yeah. It's so weird. Brandon's yeah. been in Europe like back and forth for the past few weeks. I know, man. He's France. becoming a total Europhile. I see his, see his posts and I'm like, wow. France, man. Russia, Italy. If he comes back with UK. an accent, you guys slap him for me. <laughs> He's going to be wearing his, his uh, black painter's <laughs> yeah, beret yeah, yeah, and a little right. mustache. Kind of a, hello, you know, some kind of accent. You guys, you guys give him a good hard slap for me. <laughs> I, 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 that I would not you mean, do, like, you mean like Madonna suddenly adopting a British accent? That's right. Yeah. That's right. So for those listening, I, of course, have to let you know, pick up Camp Valor. It's available now, you know, especially if you have kids who you want to check that out, um, you know, because as you said, there's nothing really on the market. 
that is doing quite what you're doing with this book. If they love your guys' show and they're watching this, they're going to love this for their kids. I'll yeah. guarantee it. So pick, pick up Camp Bauer, available everywhere. Scott McEwen. And when does, when does City com. of Death come out? October. October. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, great having you in studio. I'm Thanks, glad guys. we did. It's always better in studio. No, it is, man. Yeah. So. It's totally different. I, I didn't know you would be, you'd be able to come in today. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. Glad it worked out. All right. Thanks as always, Scott. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. been listening to soft rep radio new episodes up every wednesday and friday for all of the great content from our veteran journalists join us and become a team room member today at softrep.com follow the show on instagram and twitter at soft rep radio and be sure to also check out the power of thought podcast hosted by hurricane group ceo and navy seal sniper instructor brandon webb